Lawrence, this is your Grammy. I want to tell you, you are a really talented, fantastic, fabulous, wonderful granddaughter, very creative, and I'm just amazed at all the things that you are doing. And I send you all my love, all my love. Bye. Hi, everyone. This is the AgeWise Podcast. Your assumptions are going to be turned somewhat upside down. Where we talk about aging well. It's an issue that nobody wants to talk about. And wisely. I was totally unfamiliar with the term caregiver. You really learn what you're capable of. I'm Jana Panaritis. In her book, To Kill a Mockingbird, the late Harper Lee wrote a line spoken by Jem, the daughter of protagonist Atticus Finch, that became a commonly used phrase about making the best of difficult relatives. That line, you can choose your friends, but you show can't choose your family, got turned on its head when writer Lauren DePino met a grandmother who wasn't in her family, but became a family member of sorts. Lauren wrote about her experience and the profound effect upon her of meeting 91-year-old Gloria Kessler in an article for the Washington Post titled, I Became Friends with My Ex's Grandmother-in-Law. Lauren DePino has written essays for the New York Times, the Huffington Post, and WHYY.org, among other media outlets. She joins us from Los Angeles to tell us all about the grandmother who wasn't her grandmother, but became like family. Lauren DePino, I'm so happy to have you on the HWISE podcast. Welcome. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. So family, in your case, La Familia, right? You're Italian. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> so tell us about your background and a little bit about growing up in Philadelphia. Well, yes, I'm 100% Italian-American, and my sisters are a lot older than me. My two sisters are 14 years older and 10 years older. So I was kind of the surprise. Mm -hmm. Um, So I had a lot of caretakers. I had, you know, my mother, my father, they both worked full time. So essentially, my grandmother raised me. She was the one who came over in the morning and made my breakfast and combed my hair and drove me to the bus stop and picked me up when I broke my arm. And so I feel like she was the maternal force in my life. Of course, my sisters tried to mother me as well. But you know, my mother was focused on her career. So I I definitely would say that my grandmother was one of my mothers. Mm -hmm. Did you care for your grandmother at all at any point? No, actually, she kind of passed away suddenly. And she wasn't in the nursing home part of her complex. She was still in independent living. So no, we never had to really care for her. I see. She was the caretaker until the end. Okay. And were your parents first generation? Were they born here or in Italy? So um, on my father's side, his parents were born in Italy. On my mother's side, her grandparents were born in Italy. Okay. There's actually another article coming out in the Washington Post at the end of April, I believe, in the food and dining section about my grandmother's family history and how they settled in Baltimore and how I recreated the Sunday dinner tradition for my stepkids so that gives you oh, a little wow. family history there. That's but um, yeah, in any event, yeah, she just she grew up in Baltimore. Is Sunday dinners a cultural thing? Because we do that in my Greek family, too. We did that growing up. Oh, you do? <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it must be. Yeah, yeah. Just every Sunday, we'd always go to her house, and she made the same spaghetti and meatballs, peas and onions. Bread and butter, big bottle of Coke, Coca-Cola, you know, <laughs> everyone all, everyone watched football, yelled at the, yelled at the television, you know. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Tell us how you wound up living in Los Angeles. 
So um, I met my fiance, Alan, in the spring of 2012 on set in Philadelphia. Um, in Philadelphia, I was, on, I was in the Screen Actors Guild, and it was a small acting community. So I worked on a television show with Sigourney Weaver, and I was a stand-in, and he was a cinematographer. We didn't date at first, maybe started dating a year later, and then dated long distance. Mm-hmm. And then I moved in September of 2015, um, because he kind of has to be in L.A. for work. And I didn't mind leaving winter behind. No doubt. You know? <laughs> yeah. So what inspired you to write this story? I really like the good news sections of newspapers. There's mm-hmm. one in the New York Times and there's one in Washington Post called Inspired Life. So my ex-boyfriend, Ross, he was my first boyfriend. I found him his wife, Allison, on OkCupid. So that's another part of the story. Your She's ex-boyfriend. Not... Yeah, my ex-boyfriend, <laughs> Ross. I found him his wife, Allison, and I love her. She's a friend to me. And she had told me years ago, she's a grandmother, lives in San Diego, and she's kind of lonely. All her family's on the East Coast. Because Gloria, her grandmother, she ended up marrying someone out here and ended up staying here. So in any event, the seed was planted then, right? And then years later, I moved to California. Mm-hmm. And then Allison, Gloria's granddaughter, reminded me, said, oh, sh- don't forget Gloria lives there. And so <laughs> one day, I happened to be on the Pacific Surfliner, the Amtrak train, heading south with my fiancé just for a weekend getaway. And I remember, oh, Gloria lives in San Diego. So I called Allison and then it was all arranged. Then immediately I met Gloria the next morning. Alan and I took her to IHOP. And then soon after that, Allison called and said, would you mind flying with her east for Thanksgiving since I was going to Philadelphia anyway? So I said, yes. And then it ended up being such a lovely experience that I wanted to write about it. Mm -hmm. Prior to flying east with Gloria, had she visited her family back east? When was the last time she'd seen that family? Someone else flew her the year before. I think it was a cousin, and they gave her a big uh, 90th birthday party. Mm-hmm. So she had been there the year before, but she didn't want to fly alone, and understandably so. And um, I think no one was really available to take her. And so I happened to have a companion ticket because I have my American Airlines credit card. So uh-huh. I gave her my companion ticket. So I'm going to back this up just a minute. First of all, it's very romantic that you took a train trip. I lived in L.A. for many years, and the thought of doing yeah, that never yeah. crossed my mind, but I can see where that would be yeah. a really enjoyable trip. So what was your attitude going into the meeting of Gloria? I mean, was it like, I'm going to meet this lovely-sounding woman, and that will be it? And how did she strike you when you first met her in terms of her mental and her physical abilities? Well, the first time, I was actually very excited. I've always, people kind of make fun of me for this. I've always had a an affinity for the older generation. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when I was younger, I was a companion to an older woman I met in my elevator who was legally blind. Her daughter asked me to read to her, like Shakespeare and the New York Times. And then I used to tutor English to wow. older immigrants in Philadelphia. Like, so I, I always just loved the older generation. So I, my outlook was pretty positive. Mm, to um, begin with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then immediately she was the one who's trying to take care of me. So I thought that was funny. Everyone said, oh, you're, you have to take care of her and, and ended up kind of being the opposite. She wanted to take care of me and it felt like my grandmother in a sense all over again. Yeah. So, well, you, you kind yeah. of alluded to that in the story about like, going to IHOP. I'm wondering what arose in your memory in talking with Gloria and if you can recall oh, any sure. parts of that conversation. She talks a lot about her first husband, Frank. She told me stories about her father who, and about how she started writing. She read my first article, and then she started taking a creative writing course. Mm-hmm. So she told me a lot about her writing. She just told me her whole life story and what matters is family, essentially. Her greatest joy right now mm-hmm. and the greatest gift of her whole life mm-hmm. is her family. Her son, Glenn, how wonderful he is. My ex-boyfriend, father-in-law, Glenn, 
and um, uh-huh. how great her family is. And they are really special. They're so nice to me, I have to say. But just, uh-huh. you know, after <laughs> 90 years of life of reflecting. Yeah. I know, because I'm the, I'm the ex. When you look at it from the outside, it's a little strange, right? You know, like when I was yeah. staying at her house the night before. This the night part, before this is the an article. East. So the story is that you had already intended to go on, on a trip down to San Diego, and you, you met Gloria Kessler, 91 years old, uh-huh. the grandmother of your ex-boyfriend's now wife. Yeah. You met Gloria, checked in on her and said hi, and you went out and you had lunch with her at the IHOP, and during that time, or soon after, Allison, your ex-boyfriend's now wife, asked if you would mind escorting Gloria East for Thanksgiving. And so let's pick it up where the night before you flew East with Gloria, you stayed in her apartment. Is that right? Yep. Okay. Mm -hmm. So tell us about the night before and the ensuing trip East, what you remember about that. I arrived at her apartment at maybe five (laughs) o'clock the night before we left. Uh And she made a very elaborate dinner. There were multiple courses. There was an appetizer. There was salmon, salad. There was dessert. She had all of that out. Yeah, she showed me the essay, one of the essays she wrote about her father, who's a furrier from Ukraine. Sounds like an amazing man. Um, and I included a little bit about him in the article. Oh, this was interesting. In the guest room, there were picture frames everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I was particularly taken by one of my ex-boyfriend's wife when she was a little girl. Like, she wore a mint and pink print flower dress with a little French braid. You know, I never thought I'd be in the guest room of my ex's grandmother-in-law looking at I just thought that moment was like, wow, okay, this is odd, but not odd. But like, we just talked about everything. We talked, we totally confided in each other. We talked about our greatest fears, our greatest loves. Uh-huh. We both struggle with anxiety. We talked about that. Yeah, it just felt like the same kind of thing I'd have with my grandmother. We'd sit for hours at the table and drink tea and just talk about everything. Mm-hmm. So it felt like that. Mm. Um, you wrote about one of her biggest fears of being dependent on people. Yeah. How is she doing now? She seems pretty fit, but she's 91, so who else helps her out? She has a couple relatives, you know, in uh, San Diego, but her very close family, like her immediate family is back east. So, mm-hmm. I mean, she has a boyfriend. I met him. His name's Jose. He's very sweet. Um, Wait, she has a boyfriend. Yeah. Tell us more. I think he lives with her just sometimes on the weekends, but I think he might live with his daughter most of the time. But she's had she's had a boyfriend for well, it must have been 20 years because her husband died very young. Right. And Jose is wonderful and sweet, but she's doing most of the caretaking. She takes care of him. His condition's deteriorating. I know that she's she is the caretaker. She she was usually a caretaker in her life. So that's why she probably wanted to take care of me. You know, it was like a battle. I was trying to do things for her. And then, no, I can do this. I can do this. You know? <laughs> yeah. What are her fears, Gloria's now, as far as her own aging, if she expressed them? Yeah, it's very much like my own grandmother. Never wants to depend on anyone. Never wants to be a burden to anyone. Because I guess partly it's her nature to be a caretaker. And she's 91. She's afraid she might get to that point. On the plane ride back, she did not feel very well. Maybe it was because we each had a glass of wine. Uh-huh. And so on the plane ride back, she wasn't feeling so great. And I think she might not want to fly again after uh-huh. that. And she was worried about imposing on, on me when I she didn't feel well on the plane ride, right? I, had to, I, oh. I just took her to the first class bathroom. and like, forget this. But that's her only fear. So I don't know where to go from now for her. I mean, of course, I'll help her if she needs anything. Did you say she's living in an apartment now? What's her living set yeah. set up? She's living in her yep, own apartment she, in San Diego. She's in her own apartment, self-sufficient. Uh huh. Wow, that's really impressive. Good for her. 
That's yeah, very impressive. That's very inspiring. Yeah. We could all hope for that. Yeah, we yeah. could all hope for that. So I thought yeah. I thought it was interesting that when you arrived in New York for that Thanksgiving trip, the wheelchair attendant asked you, "Is that your grandmother?" It's unlikely that anyone would ever be asked, "Is that your son?" or "Is that your husband?" or Now, I grant this was a wheelchair attendant, but there's something right. there's something about older people that inspire either utter fear and revulsion or genuine genuine empathy and closeness you want to be near that person right so did you have any conversation at all with that attendant and tell us about your reaction to getting that question it wasn't just the attendants it was i was everybody uber drivers i mean she's not your grandmother like you know the, the uber ride to the airport they treated her like someone to take care of not necessarily engage with her that's oh. something i thought was interesting wheelchair yeah. attendants or yeah. pe- people just almost treated her like a child or when she's in the wheelchair when she's not in the wheelchair not so much we went to the restaurant we were the wheelchair attendant dropped us off and then came back mm-hmm. so yeah I, I can see there's a little bit of a of a way it, it makes people look at elderly people just being in the wheelchair but she was able to walk on her own it was just for the ease of transporting her right she can walk on her own, but just not very far. So she mostly needed the wheelchair because, yeah, there's a lot of walking in the airport. Uh-huh. And what sort of reaction ensued when you handed her off to her family? And how did you feel saying goodbye? Well, the family brought me to the train station in New York because then I had to take a train to Philadelphia. And then I took a train from Philadelphia to New York and they picked me up again. Yeah, no, they, we all just, it was a long car ride with all of them. So I was in the car with my ex's in-laws. Uh-huh. And and we just talked about everything, you know, um, <laughs> because I've, I've known them for a while. For everyone, <laughs> it was a reunion, yeah. <laughs> but I find like it's it's hard to find older friends. And when my grandmother was alive, I used to go to her independent living complex regularly and have lunch with her and her friends. We all sit down to a nice dinner, and um, I feel like different generations are segregated. There's it's not very intergenerational, at least where I live in Los Angeles. And I wish that communities could be more intergenerational because I feel like there's a lot for older generations and younger generations to gain from each other. I agree. Do you think differently about getting older after getting close to Gloria? Or no, um, probably not. People say that I kind of am an, an older person, uh-huh. <laughs> younger person's body. Well, is it hard for you to think about growing old, especially in Los Angeles? I mean, youth is gold in L.A. I was worried before I moved to L.A. about that because mm-hmm. people think that, you know, people from L.A. are superficial that's the perspective right but um i met people who are more substantive i haven't really thought about necessarily growing old yet here i don't know my fiance is 12 years older so i'm mm-hmm. a little worried sometimes i worry about that losing him and i know gloria was that was her biggest fear and it happened to her to lose her fian- lose her husband and then there's a pretty good chance that you'll be caring for your fiance slash future husband at some point but right. You've yeah. Got the chops. Yeah. Probably. The f- I mean, the funny thing was, I don't really think I was taking. Didn't feel like I was taking care of her. I mean, so there was a line in there that I want to share. You wrote, "She was overjoyed with me, just being with me," and you know, there's something to be said for that. That's the kind of love I get from my 88 year old mother. Now, granted, she's my mother, but right. There's nothing that compares to that feeling of unconditional love that you get from an older person who you're close to. Right. And right. it's shocking when you get it because it's so simple and genuine. 
Right. Like, I think the perfect caretaker makes you feel cared for even when you're imperfect. Like, my fiancé is a caretaker. He reminds me of my grandmother a lot. He gardens, cooks. He has children from a previous marriage. And I would say he's the caretaker in our relationship out of the two of us. Huh. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. Uh Uh-huh. You wrote, there are people right here on Earth who can show us we're worthy of unconditional, heart-filling love, which is a really nice line. And they don't have to be kids. (laughs) They can be older adults. Right, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, when we lose someone, there's a void, right? There's a very specific void. No one will perfectly fill that void, right? But, I mean, if you're open, you can meet people yeah. who the love can resemble the love you had with the person who has passed away. So how often do you see Gloria now? Um, actually, I haven't seen her. I don't think I've seen her since then. I'm gonna. I'm planning another trip. It's based on, you know, work and things like that. But um, mm-hmm. To Philadelphia we're talking or about to another... San Diego? Oh, no, just, just, just San Diego. And we're talking about, I tried to get her up here mm-hmm. recently. Mm-hmm. I, I had, I don't know how you feel about psychic mediums, but I, I had an appointment open up for one uh-huh. recently. Who's very much in demand here. And I tried to, I know Gloria wanted to see one. So I said, oh, you can have the appointment. But she, she couldn't get here in person. So um, huh. I have to... See that I can arrange that so she can meet with the medium somehow. And what do you want her to get out of meeting the medium? Well, I'm not sure what there is. I'm not. I'm not going to say with 100 percent certainty that this is true. Or yeah. I just the only thing I know is that I don't know, and she's in the same place. But maybe just a little bit of comfort because she always says she wishes that Frank could see her grandchildren, that he could see her now. Mm-hmm. Frank's her deceased husband, so maybe that she'll get some kind of sign mm-hmm. that gives her comfort. Mm-hmm. So what inspired you to write this story? Then what do you want people to get out of it? I guess just to be open to relationships that you might not expect. I have another piece coming out in the New York Magazine about, they might change the title, but it's called The Romantic Past Lives That Live Within Us. It's about that, you know, because a relationship ends, say with an ex, doesn't mean that it's not a part of you, that we kind of are a compilation of all the relationships we've had, the ones that we really loved. So... We shouldn't shun our exes, right, and their families. So that's one of them. You know, if you're in a secure, like my fiancé and I are in a secure relationship, and so you should be open to staying in touch with your exes. Mm-hmm. Also, yeah, uh, being open to befriending, if you're young, the older generation, and if you're older, befriend someone younger, because there's a lot to be gained from both sides. And that, you know, especially I know a lot of people who have grandmother figures or grandparent figures in their lives, and they really love them, and they've lost them. And maybe a grandparent, you know, has lost a grandchild. Just be open to connecting that way. Uh-huh. How are your parents doing? How's their health? They're probably youngish. Well, um, actually, my dad, and mom, how old's my dad? Oh, my God. He's 79. I think he's 79. Okay. And my mom is six years younger. Yes. Yeah, so they're they're doing really well, actually. Good. They're in great health. They exercise and do things. And they go out dancing every night. <laughs> You're April. kidding. Good for them. My dad said that someone, someone, like, asked him if he could dance with my mom. And he's like, she won't say yes. <laughs> they, they call me and tell me stories. Did she yeah. get asked and did she dance? She did get asked, but she didn't she said dance no. with anyone else. I see. She said no. She said yeah. no. So yep. the, the siblings that live near your parents, are they likely to end up taking care of your parents, you think? Have you guys talked about that at all? My parents probably don't want anyone taking care of them. They <laughs> of probably course. have the same feeling as, as Gloria and yeah. my, gra- my grandmother. Actually, the medium said about my grandmother that, who knows if it's true, but she's glad that she didn't get to the point where she had to be taken care of. She would have hated that. My grandmother was 85 when she died. But my parents 
probably see themselves going into a place like my grandmother, like an independent living complex Mm -hmm. that has a pretty vibrant social scene, but also has the nursing home level. I don't think they'd want my sisters to take care of them. Uh Uh-huh. So I should say for listeners that I read your article in the Palm Beach Post because I live in West Uh Palm Beach. And you were telling me earlier before we started the interview that although the piece was written for the Washington Post, you became aware of it Uh in the, the Palm Beach Post through your aunt. So tell us about that. So I got a voicemail on Sunday morning, and it was from my great aunt, Caprice. She used to be superintendent of schools in the 90s in West Palm Beach, and she went by the name C. Monica Uhorn when uh-huh. she was a superintendent. But in any event, it was a long message. Oh my gosh, I, I opened up the paper this morning, and it was the time I usually call my sister, who is my grandmother, Mary Grace, who's passed away, mm-hmm. and it was her picture in the paper. She was looking up at me, and then she started crying. And that's, of course, a reference because my grandmother and I look alike. Oh. People say we have the same the same eyes and mm-hmm. nose and hair. Mm-hmm. And then she sent me a picture of it in print. And so then I called her and we called up. But that was a very pleasant surprise that so it was cute. in that paper. So she's your grandmother's sister. I think so, kind of great aunt. Yeah, great, she's great, aunt. great aunt. She's a great aunt. Mm-hmm. So how is she doing? She's 81, I believe, and she's in great shape. She lives by herself. She has her own house in a complex. I, I was there. We had a family reunion there a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Like from all over, all of our family came there. It was our first family reunion ever in our house. I remember there was a crocodile outside. There's <laughs> the water right there. And I was like, oh, my God, a crocodile on your lawn. Welcome um, to Florida. <laughs> yeah, that's the only landmark I can give you. Do you have any last thoughts that you would like to share before we wrap this up? I did write a book about my grandmother died. The guy I was dating at the time broke up with me the day after her funeral, and I thought he was going to marry me. And so it was like my caretaker died. She would have been the person I had gone to to deal with the heartbreak, and then he would have been the person I had gone to to deal with the mourning of her. So I I was totally shell-shocked. So I wrote a book about it, and that's going out in submission next month. And I think in this very turbulent time, we need to value older people and maybe discuss critical issues and ethical problems that are going on and formulate solutions together. Amen. We've been speaking with Lauren DePino about her article for The Washington Post titled, I Became Friends with My Ex's Grandmother-in-Law. And that was the voice of Lauren's ex's grandmother-in-law, Gloria Kessler, at the top of the show. Gloria, who calls herself Lauren's Grammy, left that message for Lauren after reading the article in which Gloria was featured. Besides being a writer, Lauren DePino is a singer and a songwriter, an actress, and head writer for the Leapfrog Group, a company that provides communications for nonprofits. We'll have a link on the HYS website to Lauren's article for the Washington Post, and we'll also link to Lauren's website where you can learn more about her work. Lauren, thank you so much for being on the show. It was really great chatting with you. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for asking me. It was an honor. You are a really talented, fantastic, fabulous, wonderful granddaughter, and I send you all my love, all my love. That's it for today. Thanks for joining us. If you like this show, please tell your friends and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. 
And don't forget to check out some of our other episodes. Head on over to agewise.com, that's A-G-E-W-Y-Z.com, and use our search feature to discover some great conversations with guests who talk about issues of specific interest to you. You'll get tips, find links to useful information, laugh, cry, and best of all, know you're not alone. The AgeWise podcast is produced by me, and it's distributed on the nationally syndicated Speak Up Talk Radio Network. I'm Jana Panaritis. See you next time. And remember, every caregiver has a story. I want to hear yours.